are four things you need to know up front. One, while we are talking to you, we're not talking about you. Your specific situation may not apply to our general podcast analysis. Two, the info we're using came from sources we think are reliable, but their accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed, not even by the companies issuing the data. Three, you cannot rely on the past results of any investment for future performance. The past is never exactly repeated, so past results can never predict future performance with any reliability. Four, there are many kinds of risk in any investment, no matter what may or may not be guaranteed. Look closely and consult your investment, legal, and tax advisors for deeper one-on-one discussion and analysis. You know, I thought it would be appropriate if we took a little bit of trip back in time about the history of capitalism. You know, the stock market's an important place where people invest. There are a lot of people who have questions about the economy. How do we get here? Are we in the right system? Can you trust the stock market? I mean, you guys hear, hear comments, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to crash soon. There's all the, the Conspiracy shit. theories. Yeah, yeah okay. It's, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, um, there's, I think there's probably more myth then there is mystery to what capitalism and the stock market is. So why don't we just take a little bit of trip back in time? I'm going to start. I'm going to go through this quickly. We're not going to go year by year starting in 1776. But let's just go there for a moment. When our country was formed, let's bear in mind how different it was from Europe. Europe was a bunch of landed gentry. It was monarchies. It was dictatorships. America was kind of open. There was a bunch of indigenous people here, and there were colonists who landed. And otherwise, it was going to, it was going to unfold the way it unfolded. And it unfolded in a very particular way. If we next move ourselves up to 1865, the end of the Civil War, the Civil War marked something that was very important that happened in this country. Two new technologies came online and dominated, and they were the telegraph and the railroad. Suddenly, people could talk. Steam, steam engine. It was powered by the steam engine. That's right. I could go by the components of okay, each, each engine. But, <laughs> but if we're going to move quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go railroad. <laughs> and, and with that was also the birth and the growth of the first monopolies, the first big titans of capitalism. At this time in our, in our history, capitalism has no rules. John Adams said, People will tend to act in their own self-interest. They'll organize into productive units. They'll form businesses and that will take care of it. Uh, and then suddenly, as we go through 1865 up to 1901, up to 1901, we find that these monopolies have grown. John D. Rockefeller now owns the oil industry. The Vanderbilts built the railroads. Andrew Carnegie is building and dominating the steel industry. And what's happening is the economy is going through these booms and busts. The economy goes great, the stock market flies, and then it absolutely crashes and people go broke. Now, that's not a system we want, is it? Nope. No. So no. 1890, the Sherman Act. Well, that comes in, but somebody has to do something about it, though, Leela. And that doesn't happen until 1901. And what happens in 1901, Connor Green? Um... I don't know, but that sounds like crypto right now. So <laughs> in, in, about, in about 50 years, crypto's going to be chill. Um, a Teddy Roosevelt, the first Roosevelt, Theodore. becomes president of the United States. And Teddy Roosevelt does something that nobody expects him to do. He says the government has a role in helping capitalism do better. He says monopolies are hurting the country. There shouldn't just be one oil company. There need to be seven oil companies. There can't just be one railroad. There need to be a diversity of railroads. And, and so suddenly the government is being viewed as a referee to see if we can have fair competition. 
Now we roll along and World War I happens, the 1920s happens. And the 1920s were known by what nickname? Do you know what the nickname was? Roaring 20s. Roaring 20s. What was roaring in the 20s? Yeah, illegal alcohol and the stock market was roaring because there were no rules. There were almost no rules to any of this stuff other than, well, you can't be a monopoly, right? Then the market crashes. In 1933, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hits 62. But Remember, what was its high at the oh, time? No, no, no. Out of that, curiosity. At its time in 1933, it, it, the crash happened in 1929. But the thing about the crash was the crash was followed by a recovery. What happened is the next few years, the stock market slowly started to just dive, dive, dive till the Dow Jones hit 62. And the reason I'm asking you to remember that number is because the Dow Jones Industrial Average still exists today. And you'll see how far it's come. The important thing is, is that what, Franklin Delano Roosevelt puts in in the 1930s as he puts in a series of safety nets, things like social security, uh, things like an FDA, uh, certain government agencies to go out and enforce and see are things done fairly. Should labor be paid fairly? Should labor unions be allowed to negotiate and, and, and strike fairer bargains with big corporations? So what FDR did, and a lot of people were upset about it, and they reversed a number of the things he did, but what he did is he reduced poverty, he reduced ignorance, he increased the safety net, and the stock market then takes off like it's never taken off before after World War II. It's amazing. Up until the 19, early 1970s, the stock market is fairly, it has a few bumps, and but but no, nothing like what happened in 1929 and the 1930s. In fact, Nothing that bad even happens until 2008. One question for you, Mark. Sure. You hear lots of people saying that us going to war sort of jump-started the economy in the 1940s, well, 1930s, okay. 1940s. Let's talk about the role of war and business in the economy. War, before capitalism, was actually the primary way in which large-scale business was done. Think about Europe before America. It's a bunch of monarchies, fiefdoms, warlords. Even inside a monarchy, even inside England, the king of England didn't really dominate all of England. He had to go deal with all the lords who were basically warlords who owned sections and controlled sections of the country. What, what capitalism does, what, what, FD, what FDR does, and what all this is, it blows that system away. It creates a more fair system where you have a shot. I have a shot. Yeah, it regulates what these war, like, uh, so to speak, a big corp has to cut these people it and breaks do some it down, of these things. It, it breaks it down and it created... It creates a middle class. Right. So the effect of war But is, did he go to war? Right. But the effect of war is to, is to create new technologies very often. Uh, it's also, it can um, adjust world orders. You know, the role of war is varied. Uh, world War II, we, we often argue, was the last moral war, the last really just war. And all the other wars have just sort of been various forms of douchebaggery, if you want to look at it. I mean, whether it was Vietnam or the Gulf War, somebody was being a jerk, right? The Cold War? Uh, the Cold War, it was just, uh, well, that really wasn't a war. That was really more of an excuse to spend money and invent a lot of technology. But outside of war, what I'm really trying to show is the role of government and capitalism. So if you look at the rules that the government's put in, people complain about socialism. They complain that we're not purely capitalist. And we're not. We're not purely capitalist. We are partially socialist. You have social security. It's right there in the name. 
unemployment insurance. You like common roads. You, you, you like you like having a chamber of commerce. You know, all these different things that we take for granted that are the infrastructure of our of our country are all technically gotten to through socialism. Necessary entitlements. Well, or, or look at it as an allocation of resources to your to your population so that you can produce more. Now, if you have any doubt as to whether it's worked, remember, we said the Dow Jones Industrial Average was at 62 in 1933. Last week, in 2022, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is over 34,000. Think about what that is for a minute. An exponential increase. So if you were to project that in to another 100 years in 2099, is it going to potentially be 60,000? Is that what well, the... outside of the bad math you just demonstrated, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to predict where the stock market's going. What I'm telling you, though, is that social policy and government policy has tended to promote a more stable and productive economy right. that's allowed the value to go up hugely over time right over and that we continue to do that we're the most successful country in the world at doing this nobody comes close not china not japan in its heyday not russia. england when it had an empire and russia is basically a gas stand with a crook so yeah it's just it's <laughs> not close uh, our system works really really well and that's why I feel safe investing my capital in it as long as you don't treat it like a gambling casino. It's right. a balanced approach. I think that that's the way to say it. We're not right. too socialist. We're not too capitalist. We, we marry these two concepts really well. I think we've done it the best in the world. It basically all leads to just the stock market being uh, what it is. Uh, almost like not a completely guaranteed safe thing, but it's a, it's a well, relatively no, it's safe a place safe to like, yeah. you know, invest in. But think about it. What it is. It's actually what I would tell you. It's a reflection of the sum total of all of our government policies and our efforts, our allocations of capital. Basically, the stock market sort of distills everything we do, the approach we take, how we take it as a people. You know, are we tend to be optimistic? Do we tend to be fighters or lovers? We're both. But it, 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 it's telling us that we're doing more things right than wrong because it has over 100 years really, really improved. Even if you go back to the worst case it was in 2008, what did it fall to like uh, 12,000, 13,000? That's still over 62. I mean, you're talking, you're talking about something that's very real and, and it's, it's why I put my capital in my core portfolio there. Anybody disagree with that one? Nope. And so that's how we got to where we got. Thanks for listening. Before we go, here's a reminder. You have 30 minutes a month of one-on-one -on -one consulting to discuss your specific situation with us. We recommend you take advantage of that.